I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... We score a quick pin on the episode of NXT <laughs> that originally aired on July 24th, 2014. In this episode, Mojo Raleigh gets his ass kicked on the same day that Vladimir Putin makes his NXT debut. So, really a, a great day for people who hate America. And I say that from personal experience. Welcome to episode 62 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Jason Jordan became a wrestling detective, and I guess some <laughs> other stuff happened, but mainly, Jason Jordan became a wrestling detective. So important. Cannot emphasize it enough. This episode is, I will be so bold as to say, less fun. Yeah. It's a little fun. Uh, but not a lot of fun. And there are no updates on Jason Jordan's investigation into Adam Rose, so it has a, a pretty defined ceiling, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but we're still going to cover all of it in Bob's Breakdown, after which we will be ringing the bell for some fairly significant friends here in NXT. Oh. We will then get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling and award one lucky performer with the Bullrance Olivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit before listening to one of Megan Bob's patented women's wrestling history fanfics, getting a little bit militant in wrestling term of the week, and closing things out with the cheap pop quiz. But first, it's time to get the answers to last episode's cheap pop quiz. Bob currently has two points in this latest round of quizzing, so let's see if they picked up any more. Question number one. Which of the following wrestlers loses a match on the next episode that lasts precisely 35 seconds? Is it A, Tyson Kidd, B, Sami Zayn, C, Mojo Rawley, D, Tyler Breeze, or E, Adrian Neville? Bob, you reasoned this one out, and the result of your logic was the answer C, Mojo Rawley, and yeah. you were correct. Oh, man, reasoning it out so rarely works for me. I'm so happy. <laughs> Question number two. With the tag team division finally starting to grow, which of the following tag teams starts a championship feud with the Ascension on the next episode? Is it A, the Vaude Villains, B, Enzo and Cass, C, Kalisto and his mystery partner, D, Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger, or E, just kidding, it's nobody, the Ascension beat up some jobbers. Bob, in this case, your logic led you to pick answer B, Enzo and Cass, which honestly, I thought was a pretty logical choice. Unfortunately, it's also an incorrect choice. Yep. The correct answer is E, the Ascension beat up some more jobbers and don't start a feud with anybody. I regret nothing, though. I, I am <laughs> pleased that the Ascension make the choices that they make. And question number three. The next episode features an NXT Women's Championship match between Charlotte and Summer Rae. How does that match conclude? A, Charlotte retains the title cleanly, nothing to see here. B. Charlotte retains the title with the help of Sasha Banks, who then attacks Charlotte after the match. C. Summer wins the title with the help of Sasha Banks, who then attacks Summer after the match. D. Summer wins the title with the help of Sasha Banks, who leaves with Summer after the match. Or E. The match ends in a no contest when Sasha Banks interferes by beating up both of them. Bob, I thought your answer here was likewise very logical. Thank you. You went with E. Sasha Banks interferes by beating up both of them, and the match is a no contest. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. The correct answer is A. Charlotte retains the title cleanly. Sasha Banks, nowhere to be seen. They could have had a triple threat, but I understand that the women's division is not robust enough to support that kind of content yet. Apparently not. We'll talk more about it in a little bit, I'm sure. I thought that in this cheap pop quiz, your reasoning 
was spot on throughout, Bob. It was wrestling that failed you this time, not the Aww, other way around. Yay! All right, that I'll take it. I'll take it. I got uh, an experience point, if not <laughs> cheap pop quiz points. Since we started this new round of quizzing, you've gotten one answer per episode. And if you keep up that clip, we're going to have to do another one pretty fucking quick. Oh, dang. So. Yeah, because <laughs> I edit those. So that's a, a bit of a rod for my own back. But uh, I also get to hear your mansplanation. So it's it swings yeah. and roundabouts. I think with that, Bob, it's time to start talking about all the stuff we just mentioned. It's time for Bob's Breakdown. We open by revisiting the Summer Ray and Charlotte feud. Y'all have been here. You know the score. Although, yep. I do appreciate that they include these things because Neil and I often check out the main roster pay-per-views. Not always, but if it's something, you know, with some people we care about, we usually peep in on it. Sure. But with no clue what the feuds are or why. <laughs> I love the little recaps. For me, it's like getting to see a trailer and I'm a person who doesn't like watching a whole movie but really <laughs> enjoys movie trailers because I'm like, it's all the bits. Yay! And then it's over. And I'm like, I got the full experience in two minutes, which I understand yeah. that film is much more complicated than that. And I understand that wrestling storytelling is much more complicated than that. But I enjoy getting to see all the dumb shit pressed together into one delicious dumb sandwich. That is totally fair. I think a good video package, and nobody makes better video packages than WWE. Oh, yeah. Say what you want about them, and I will in this episode. <laughs> but nobody makes better video packages than WWE. And uh, it can really like elevate uh, a feud or a storyline, especially if you haven't been following along. I think they do an excellent job and I think they've only gotten better at it because I, I mean, I'm seeing yeah. some of these now from 2014 and then I've seen some from like 2020, 2021 and I'm going, oh, there's all there's like lighting and sound effects and musical scores to be had now. I'm not even lying. Like some of my favorite memories from wrestling early video packages, you know, like some of my, my most like formative memories from becoming a wrestling fan is like, oh, man. Survivor Series 2001, they had Puddle of Mud for that shit. It was awesome. <laughs> and again, say what you want about the WWE. Their understanding of how music works with wrestling is very, very attuned. All right, match one. The Ascension need to be fed again. And they come out in their yep. sandwich board shirts that have no sides. It is just a <laughs> loincloth for your chest. They are wrestling Aaron Solo and Rando number one, who has Vandal on John, his butt. John, I'm I'm sure Johnny he has a Vandal, name. Yes. Johnny Vandal. Fair enough. That makes sense. We've, met, we've met him before. I thought we had, but it's been so long. Has it been so long? It feels like it's been a long time since we've seen him. It might have probably been a little while. And also, probably it was another Ascension match. So they all blend together, okay. sort of. Boy, do they. The audience already yawing. There is nothing to see here except the following. One. Victor did a cool one-armed twirly backdrop that made him look very strong. And he's Indeed. not a guy who you would expect that from because he's kind of, well, look, compared to Connor, he's like nothing. He's like a twig. <laughs> Two, Aaron Solo gets cornered by Connor and Victor on the outside as some audience members chant Snowflake for some reason, which I was like, nobody was using that. At, yeah, I don't know what that was. Derogatorily at that time. And he doesn't have a snowflake on his butt. I don't know what was happening. Which is the only place where one would be, so I don't know. Yeah, he was wearing, like, little briefs, so... Okay, and then three, back in the ring, Solo does a chop to the chest on Connor, who slowly looks at the spot where he was chopped, and then lifts <laughs> his head and does a slow, you-made-a-mistake-pal head shake. <laughs> he follows it up with a peck-and-shoulder shimmy! Miles, yeah, Miles, is the shimmy going to stick around? Because I am here for it. I don't know. I, I legitimately don't remember, but I really hope so. I love that it's it's back from last time. <laughs> yes. I, uh, please. If you have the chance to do something incongruous with your serious character, always do it. Always, always. Aaron Solo takes the fall of man and it's over. The end. Match two. Tyler Breeze stretched to the ring. 
His whole forearm is in a cast now along with his pointer finger. Apparently he was laid low by a hangnail. And honestly, I was like, you know, we've all had days where we had a hangnail that sucked so bad we considered taking the day off of work. Like, hangnails fucking suck. It's the same injury that caused him to dodge Neville, I think, three episodes ago. It's a very serious hangnail. This hangnail (laughs) is, he's going to have to have hangnail surgery. Mojo Raleigh explodes out of the back and jumps around for a while. Enjoy it, buddy, because you won't be here long. The bell Mm. goes and Tyler Breeze yells in outrage at Raleigh for this affront that he's even in the ring right now. Like, how frankly dare you? Raleigh slams him into the corner. Breeze responds with the beauty shot, pins him. It is over. Okay, I have questions. Okay. I get that this is part of making Breeze look strong and competitive in the run-up to actually challenging Neville. But it makes Raleigh look extremely bad. This feels destructive to his status, to the point that whenever I checked out the Bleacher Report thing, they were like, did he upset somebody in the back? Because this is, like... Mm -hmm very bad you would not want to have this happen to your character unless you are a fucking jobber and so i was wondering is this burial it's certainly burial adjacent Mm. uh what they were going for in this match i think from what i could tell is that like mojo goes for him in the corner and then breeze like is kind of trying to protect his hand yes and so, like, he, like, ducks out of the way, and he's going, like, oh, my hand. And Mojo is, like, confused for a second, and Breeze takes advantage of that by hitting the money shot. So The beauty shot? The money shot's a different thing. I'm sorry, the beauty shot. Although the money shot was also a wrestling move. Surprising no one. <laughs> um, Mojo gets confused, and then Breeze hits the beauty shot, and it's over. And I think so I think it was supposed to be, like, oh, my God, what a conniving heel. Like, he used his his weird injury to confuse him and then, but like, it didn't really work that way. (laughs) No, that is confusing to someone in the way that when you pretend to throw something for your dog, but you don't throw it is like confusing. (laughs) It's that level of subterfuge. Exactly. That's a perfect analogy. So yeah, it doesn't make Mojo look good. And uh, yeah, it is kind of Barry esque. Match three, the NXT women's championship. Mm-hmm. Three people applaud. Fuck you, audience. Yeah. Is it hard to get audience investment when it's heel versus heel? Because I didn't give much of a fuck about this match going into it. And friends, the audience isn't super into it either. And it is rough. Yeah. Heel versus heel is hard. And you should probably just not do it. Ah, uh, okay. You know, you know, in this case, Charlotte was definitely like playing the role of the babyface in this match. I mean, yeah, but also... I don't know. But also Charlotte is a heel and we've seen Charlotte as a heel like recently and she hasn't done anything to turn. So it's it's hard. Heel okay. versus heel is a tough sell. Now I'm very curious about any heel versus heel feuds that have really worked. The best one that I can think of off the top of my head mm-hmm. is the feud that actually happened earlier in 2014 on the main roster between the Wyatt family and the Shield. Okay, that makes total sense. Which I th- I feel like we might have watched that. We did. Six-man match in a watch party. Yes. Yeah. It was very yeah, good. That, it, it was very good. And like the, and with that match, even though both teams were heels, the crowd just was into both of them. So it worked for that reason because they were, they were both kind of popular heels. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so that's the best one I can think of off the top of my head. But usually it doesn't work. Okay. So the bell goes basic catfight stuff and then they both fly at each other spinning in midair to land on opposite sides of the ring maybe the highlight of the match (laughs) i enjoyed that yeah love some midair spins me indeed charlotte locks in the figure four headlock we get a little skull fucker action there's a chant of one more time so charlotte does it again and the audience seems to be counting along and i was going oh yeah Lindsay kelk's statement that boy and wrestling audience loves counting and they do they do back from commercial Summer Ray is still in that headlock and screaming, my beautiful face, and then is able to attack Charlotte and says, I made you, Charlotte. Summer Ray uses the ropes and her long legs to contort and stretch Charlotte like she's silly putty. And Summer Ray fucking hates silly putty. <laughs> Summer Ray goes for a leg lock, then knees Charlotte in the gut. 
a boring chant starts. It's not super mm-hmm. vocal, but it is audible. Yep. Summer Ray gets Charlotte into a half grab, and now the audience starts going a bit feral. They just do the wave. Like, the whole audience is doing the wave in an endless circle around this theater in the round set. There's more back and forth, but it's very hard to care because the audience doesn't super care. And I was struck mm-hmm. by how important it was that my stand-in for this experience be invested in order for me, a person many years later, to be invested. Yeah. There's a trade of pin attempts and the audience calms down again, but the boring chant starts again. Charlotte pulls out Bow Down to the Queen and puts Summer away for three. <gasps> Miles. What? Yes. The... Hell, they built up this feud. The wrestling was Mm -hmm. solid. They wrestled in character. It made sense as a match, but it just fell apart in front of the crowd. Is it, I was going to ask you, is it because it's women's wrestling, which I'm sure is an element of it, but is it mostly because it's just heel stuff? I think women's wrestling is only an element of it to the extent that this match felt like a Divas match. It was fine, I suppose, but it was just a lot of like, Kind of boring holds and a yes. lot of cat fighting stuff. They were doing some character stuff with Summer, but not enough, especially given the absence of Sasha, which would definitely have improved this somewhat. So they didn't play into the storyline enough to sort of make up for what they were doing in the ring, I would say. Okay. Um, the other thing to keep in mind as well is that this is 2014 and the crowd is doing a lot of this kind of thing when there's anything on the show that they're not super into mm. uh, because we're coming off of the Daniel Bryan Yes Movement storyline where the crowd single-handedly got him pushed to the main event of WrestleMania, basically, I mean, almost single-handedly. And uh, so this is an era where you see a lot of shitting on matches that are bad or doing the wave or beach balls. This is just an era where this kind of thing is happening, and I just think it's 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 a disappointing match. I mean, it's not very good, in yeah. my opinion. It's fine they don't embarrass themselves, but it's the kind of match that you'd see on Raw. It's the kind of women's match you'd see on Raw, and not the kind of women's match that the crowd has become accustomed to seeing in NXT. They didn't do enough in the character department to overcome that. That makes sense. And also, sick burn. Bad as a women's match you'd see on Raw. Whoa. Okay. It's not what you want. <laughs> So we get an ad for Road to Paloma, which we've gotten ads for (laughs) a million times. It's Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet. I just wanted to mention it because they're married. And while Jason Momoa is a little bit problematic, I appreciate that he married a woman 10 years older than him because Lisa Bonet is fucking hot. Yeah, they're both hot. They are. They're both very hot people. Package on Alexa Bliss. She says at the end, when I'm around, life is bliss. Closed captioning read it as, life is brisk. (laughs) I don't need your fucking buzz marketing iced tea WWE captioning. Miles, (laughs) important question. Iced tea or hot tea? We're both from the Southwest, Uh, so we do live in iced tea country. Sometimes it depends on the the time of day. Like if it's, you know, if I'm like out and about and it's sunny, I'll take iced tea. But uh, for me, hot tea every day of the week. I know. Hot tea is always how I start my morning. Me too. Do you, I assume you share my feelings about this, find sweet tea to be an affront? Oh my god, it's an abomination. It's so weird! It's an abomination! I have relatives in Texas, and they are kind of sweet tea people. Um, It's a big thing in the South, I know. But man, I just was like, this. I can't drink this. This is like hummingbird water. This is awful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't handle it. It's like a Starbucks drink, but tea, but not even as good as that. Because like boba tea exists and all this other stuff. It's just terrible. Yeah. Also, like the closed captioning person might not have been referring to the brand. Like they might have just been saying life is brisk, like life is cold and uncaring. And like maybe they were making a larger <laughs> statement about how they felt watching this Alexa Bliss video package. I don't know. <laughs> that makes maybe more sense than my theory that they're secretly working for the Brisk Ice Tea Company. I don't know. I think they're equally implausible, personally. Given the amount of fucking synergistic advertising content that the <laughs> WWE yes. engages in, you you can never know 
whether something is a covert advertisement for something else. The only thing that helps with that investigation is that the WWE tends to not be subtle. This is true. This is true. Slipping it into the closed captioning is not something they would do. Like, you would more see, like, Alexa opening one and drinking from it in the video package. (laughs) Match number four. Lady Whistledown's match report. Yes. Messieurs Gotch and English, two very charming rogues, arrive on the scene to much acclaim from the assembly. It's a well-known fact that reformed rakes make the best husbands, and I dare say several ladies of the ton have their eye on these two mustachioed men. Their bout this evening is against Callisto and his surprise partner, Mr. Sincara. They're two of the more upstanding gentlemen looking to make a name for themselves. We shall see if they can overcome the cunning of the vaude villains, and let us be honest, their propensity for underhanded tactics. Callisto is outmatched in size, to be sure, but he is nimble enough to use the ropes to add to his power. He and Mr. Sinkar are able to get Mr. English on the back foot with kicks to the chest, and Callisto even throws Sinkara into English. Mr. Gotch is brought into the proceedings and grounds Mr. Sinkara, who persists in wagging his finger to indicate that he will not allow this. And indeed, he does return fire for a moment before being given blows that collapse him to the corner of the vaudevillains. Prospects for the luchador team look poor indeed, although it is notable that Mr. Sincara is able to pull Mr. English up for a powerbomb, a feat one would not expect from someone of his relatively diminutive size. An attempted pin of Mr. Gotch is spoiled by Mr. English, who may be an untrustworthy sword, but has shown admirable <laughs> loyalty to his friend, Mr. Gotch. English and Sinkara begin an additional tussle on the outside of the ropes, which proved to be the downfall of the vaudevillains, as Mr. Callisto did his lovely backward leap into a split, bringing Mr. Gotch's head to the mat. Mr. Gotch was understandably dazed and unable to kick out, giving the luchador gentleman the victory. One cannot imagine that the vaudevillains are pleased with this outcome, and this author suspects that these two tag teams will be crossing paths again before the season concludes. Mmm, interesting. It's my theory. Mm, I like it. Match five. Adrian Neville! Ah, (laughs) Such a darling, very good boy, 13 out of 10. Then Lana comes out to do some lecturing on the differences between Russia and the U.S., a little Yakov Smirnoff <laughs> stuff. Yeah. America worships stars, not wrong, but Russia worships heroes. And I was like, oh, okay. And just that Vladimir Putin is a hero, and then the hero Rusev will take down star Adrian Neville, which I was like, these words are fairly synonymous. I, uh, okay. <laughs> I know you're trying to... At least they're vague enough to be synonymous. Yeah, I was like, these... Okay. Then I think Rusev might speak a little bit of Russian because it sounded slightly different from than when he usually speaks another language. Okay, I could not tell you with any certainty because my ear for Slavic languages is not refined. No, I'm, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. The bell goes and we get some of Rusev's greatest hits. Behold, <laughs> large man catches smaller man. Large man knees kidneys <laughs> to a fine paste. Large man does backdrop like smaller man weighs as much as one of those mini pumpkins. <laughs> Neville still able to make a powerful showing by getting to the top rope and doing that missile drop kick. And then that Tyler Breeze fellow. He comes to the apron and successfully distracts Neville, which creates an opening for Rusev. Not enough of an opening, though, because Neville kicks Rusev in the jaw, lays him out, and Neville ascends to the top rope once more. Is it the red arrow? It's probably the red arrow. But Chekhov's model strikes! (laughs) Knocking Neville from the top, the bell sounds signaling that Neville has won by disqualification. Rusev is mad about it. But he is mad at Neville. Okay, I get it. You're wrestling Neville. But Neville did not make this end via DQ. He's not the reason why this is happening. He had nothing to do with this. But Lana gives a signal for the accolade because this hobbit is on the hook for Breeze's actions, I guess. And the camera cuts to a smirking Breeze. I want to say I did genuinely appreciate this underhandedness from Breeze. And I kind of also, in a way that I had not previously 
appreciated the brutality from Rusev, probably because he was wrestling somebody who's like genuinely good. Yeah. I am super curious about the moving pieces here because in AEW, I am 90% sure that what would have happened is instead of this DQ thing, they would have had Breeze do the shenanigans. Neville would have fallen and the ref would have totally missed it. And (laughs) then the ending would play out exactly the same. Rusev would do the thing. He would win the match. Uh And then Breeze would stand there, you know, looking smug and all the audience would be outraged. So I was kind of like, well, why does WWE not ever have the ref mess up? But AEW enjoys... Not all the time, but enjoys having ref fuck up as a plot turning point. Well, first of all, WWE does do ref fuck up as a plot point with some frequency. Maybe not as much as AEW does it. Uh, WWE is far more willing to go to the disqualification finish well than AEW is. Mm. And I think that's because AEW sort of by its nature is a response to WWE. Oh, and a lot of what, yeah, a lot of what AEW does that people like about it is things that WWE doesn't do. So AEW doesn't do a lot of disqualification finishes, especially not in like main event matches because a lot of fans feel like that's kind of cheap. Like that's kind of bait and switchy. You know what I mean? Mm. It's sort of a a way of prolonging a feud or something that it's kind of a wishy-washy, you know, refusing to take a side kind of move Mm -hmm. where it's like, we don't want to have anybody win. And (laughs) it's kind of like, okay, well, if you didn't want to have either of these guys win, then why did you put them in the ring together? You know, Um, or rather, I I should say they didn't want to have either of them lose. Right. Mm -hmm. So AEW is really, I think, consciously trying to avoid that. And the the downside of that is that AEW's refs look like fucking idiots on a regular basis. Yes, I think that is true. And I have even um, seen people comment on that as a major problem is that if you're going to have your refs be characters, and that is decidedly not how WWE does things, you can't mm-hmm. undercut them by having them fuck up like that. And so at least not as often as they do. Yeah, yeah. I can see the risks there. But I do tend to agree that I find a no DQ finish unsatisfying and frustrating in a way that I don't find outright cheating that isn't caught by the ref. Like that yeah. stings no, less. It's, it's, it's true. I mean, a disqualification finish is a cop out a lot of the time, you know, and WWE does it a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, <laughs> they do it all the fucking time because they don't know how to do this. They're secretly very, very bad at putting on a wrestling show. <laughs> it's very interesting <laughs> that both wrestling companies who are large and in charge at the moment often succeed despite themselves. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say constantly, but there is a real element to which you're going, oh, that was good. I know you didn't intend for that to be good or you thought it was good for this reason and you were very wrong. I will say these disqualification finishes don't happen super often in NXT as opposed to the main roster. Yes, I was thinking that. they can be a little bit more effective when they're used more sparingly. So like in this case, I think it really did come off as like Breeze just being a conniving asshole in a way we don't see many heels and nxt behave um so I it was, was a little bit more effective in, in this instance it plays out as character growth for breeze to go from the dumb but brutal model to this guy who has a, a thought in his head and can execute a plan and i was like oh look at you although maybe i'm giving nxt a little bit too much credit there that there's like character growth that's going to be consistent i I know that does happen at a certain point nxt becomes very very internally consistent for the most part but i don't know if we're there yet but i nonetheless very much was enjoying the fact that breeze you know leveled up it's so much easier to give a show the benefit of the doubt like that when they're not spamming it Mm. you know what i mean it's so much easier to to be like when the show is good and when the show generally rewards you for watching it it's way easier to be like okay well that's fine this time yes you know but definitely like i'm pretty sure the reason you never see this in aew or almost never 
uh, I don't really watch AEW, so I don't know, but I'm taking your word for it, is specifically because WWE loves it so much. I don't think I've ever seen a disqualification in AEW. And I watch I I would yeah. almost all of it. Largely because it's nice to have a thing to watch that is just kind of background mm-hmm. noise because all of the stuff that's on YouTube is background noise. It's delightful. I frankly yeah. the stuff on YouTube is the stuff if you're gonna watch any AEW, watch the stuff on YouTube. That's the good shit. That's what I've heard. Yeah it's that's fun. What I've heard. It's fun. Well thank you so much for that breakdown. How did you find this episode overall? Okay. God, this is complicated because there is nothing super objectionable about it. It is not a bad episode. It is a meh episode, which in some ways is worse. Now, I hate a bad episode, but I at least feel something about a bad episode. And this is not even doing that. So it's kind of nothing. And one of the major problems with this episode, I could talk about it a lot, but one of the biggest problems of this episode is it doesn't have any Sami Zayn in it. And Sami Zayn improves the stock of any episode by a good 20 points. And well, and it doesn't have it doesn't uh, have any backstage interviews. It doesn't have any like weird talky segments at all. It's literally just like a bunch of matches and some video packages, yes. which is fine. But like, I think the Vaude Villains Kalisto Sin Cara match is probably the best one oh, on the episode. Yes, so that one was pretty good. Aside from that, none of the matches really stood out at all. And when none of the matches stand out, and fucking there's no like weird talky shit that we love. It's like. You know, whatever. It's just nothing. I was, it's just very... Yeah. This, this is fucking vanilla yogurt. It is. I was kind of like, oh, man, why did I turn on the TV? What's happening? I will say this is the most I've liked Rusev. And I know Rusev can be amazing. Because I have seen Miro wrestle in AEW. And he's fucking amazing. And mm. I was like, I didn't know he was that good. I thought he was kind of nothing. But he's legit very good. I was kind of pleased to get to see that here. And go, oh, he does have it. But I think it's because he's wrestling Adrian Neville, who is also legit very good. I agree with everything that you're saying, basically, Bob. And I think that's a good place to transition into the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. But first, before we do <gasps> that, it would have been a good transition, but we have to ring the bell. Oh, no! Uh, first of all, we are ringing the bell softly for Aaron Solo and Johnny Vandal. Aww. They will be back, but not for like a year or two. Okay. So... Uh, we're going to see them again way down the road. But for now, see you, Jobbers. Secondly, we are ringing the bell on this episode for Summer Ray. Oh, wow. Summer has already been called up to the main roster at this point, but this is her final appearance on NXT programming, which sucks because she's great and she didn't have much of a career after this. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've already seen with Paige and we will eventually see with Emma, This first wave of NXT women have never gotten the credit they were due for defibrillating the concept of women's wrestling in WWE. Uh, And they were quickly called up to a main roster that wasn't yet ready for anything resembling progress. Mm. So Summer didn't actually get to do very much wrestling after leaving NXT. She was used mainly as a manager and as a character in storylines where like women fight over men, that kind of stuff. Uh, during Layla's brief NXT appearance, I mentioned her and Summer Rae fighting over Fandango and then ditching him yeah. to team up as the Slayers, uh, which is awesome, but that didn't last very long, partially, I think, because Layla got hurt. Uh, and then afterwards, Aww. Summer was probably best known for a terrible storyline involving Lana and Rusev that we don't need to get into here, right? Like, we don't need to do that. I think we're okay. Uh, I don't want to know, probably. She spent more than a year not being used on television at all before she was released in 2017. Uh, While she did have two more matches in Australia with Battle Championship Wrestling, uh, she is now officially retired and working as the Director of Marketing and Social Engagement for a cryptocurrency company, so... (gasps) Whoa! (laughs) Holy fuck, Summer Rae! What a move! Uh, Summer Rae, you will be missed. Uh, And you definitely did not have as much of a wrestling career as I thought you deserved. So agree. And uh, one more, Bob. Uh, we are oh, ringing no. the bell also for Alexander Rusev. <gasps> ah, okay. Just as Just you were coming fine. around. 
finally, as I was starting to go, this guy, this guy's pretty good. So like Summer Rae, Rusev had already been doing main roster things by this time, but this is also his last NXT appearance. Uh, unlike Summer, when Rusev first got to the main roster, it looked like he was going to be a big fucking deal. I mean, they did made him rush in and did the whole evil foreigner thing with him, and he and Lana were, like you saw, like literally putting Putin's face on the screen and talking about how yes. great he was. So that's the whole thing. But Rusev did go undefeated for the entirety of 2014. And he won Whoa. the United States Championship, which is uh, one of the major mid-card titles in WWE. At WrestleMania 31, uh, he came out to the ring in a fucking tank, and it was awesome. <gasps> and my friends who didn't Whoa. watch wrestling, but who happened to attend the WrestleMania party that year, were like, this is so funny. We didn't know there were wrestling fans who spent entire matches making fun of this kind of nationalistic, jingoistic bullshit. <laughs> Shout out to Sam and Allison, wherever you are. Unfortunately, <laughs> Rusev's opponent for that match was John Cena. So, you know, he oh, lost. No. And then he lost to Cena again at the next pay-per-view and then again at the next one. Oh, no. And after that, Rusev's momentum was pretty much completely gone because WWE, again, is secretly really fucking bad at being a wrestling company. <laughs> And he proceeded to flounder in the mid-card for the rest of his career there. There was also a whole thing with Lana, which... Uh, fine, I guess we do have to talk about it. Okay, so basically, they split up in kayfabe, and Lana turned face and started dating Dolph Ziggler. Oh and then boy. Rusev started dating Summer, and it was all very soap opera between the four of them. But then the internet found out that Rusev and Lana had gotten engaged in real life. And that became a thing. Mm -hmm. So WWE dropped the storyline very abruptly and just put them back together. Um, oh, no. In 2017, they were joined by Aiden English, actually. And uh, they started the Rusev Day gimmick, which revolves around <laughs> the idea that every day is Rusev Day. Aww. And this made them incredibly popular with the crowd. So naturally, Aww. nothing ever came of it <gasps> because WWE's bad at this. Uh, and English turned on Rusev and claimed he had an affair with Lana. Uh, in 2019, WWE did yet another storyline involving Lana's infidelity, this time involving Bobby Lashley. And once again, everyone hated it because WWE is incredibly terrible at being a wrestling company. <laughs> They're bad at it, y'all. I'm yeah. not an AEW fan, but I understand if you're sick of this garbage. <laughs> oh, also in 2020, Rusev was released as part of COVID-19 budget cuts because it turns out nope. WWE is terrible in many ways, not just at being yeah. a wrestling company. And he then made his way to All Elite Wrestling, where he goes by the name of Miro and is thus far most famous for his reign as TNT champion and for redeeming Eddie Kingston's nuts. <laughs> that line was very good. So, Rusev, good to see you for a little while. Uh, I'm sorry that it didn't work out, but happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day. All right. It's now time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? The complete lack of backstage segments. Yep. What the heck? This is the first time in 62 episodes that this has happened. I really don't think that any time in the past episodes that we've covered, we haven't had at least one. Maybe. But we got nothing. I think we might it might have happened once or twice, but it sucks when it does. Yeah, boo. Boo to this. All right, Miles, what did your elf I see? So you mentioned it in uh, Lady Whistledown's match report, but that move that Sin Cara pulls out where he like rolls through on uh, the English and lifts him up with like one hand and slams him down Holy to the mat. shit. Fucking amazing. And I was trying to like come up with a name for it because I couldn't figure out what to call it other than like what I just described. Uh, yes. And I was aided in this endeavor by my son, who today got his hands on a Target catalog and was very engrossed mm -hmm. and actually stumbled upon a WWE toy in this Target catalog, which yes. is a, an ambulance that you can oh, make wrestlers fight in and it like comes apart and stuff. <laughs> and WWE has billed this thing as a slambulance. Oh. So that is my pitch for the name of that move. 
Fair enough. I like it. I am a fan of the slambulance. Uh, <sighs> all right, Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? This was about Simon Gotch. He actually is not allowed in England. He attempted to capture the Loch Ness Monster, but he captured giant haystacks. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't know a whole lot about giant haystacks, except that he is kind of seen as an Irish wrestler. I mean, he has Irish parentage. Yeah. And I didn't know that it used to be called the Loch Ness Monster, but I was just very pleased to have this reference to giant haystacks who, God, last wrestled in the 60s, I think? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It was a very good joke. One of the few, few bright moments on commentary for this episode. Yeah. There was some other weird shit, though. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? I couldn't bring myself to care enough about the commentary to, like, go oh, back legit. and, like, listen to what they were saying. It was, So it was Renee, Byron, and... Uh, no, no, it wasn't Byron. Was it Riley? Yeah, Riley and uh, Rich Brennan. Yeah, Rich Brennan, Riley, and Renee. And it was just, I couldn't, my brain slipped off of it. It just couldn't. That's get, fine. I it understand. It just couldn't this. get a foothold. So um, what my Vulcaneers heard was Lana's introduction to Rusev, which mm. she just is so good at delivering it. And yes, uh, and it just like made me weirdly nostalgic. You know, I think back in the takeover episode, I think. I read my op-ed from college. <laughs> yes, which, you did. Which featured Rusev and Lana. And like, so I really, it was just very nostalgic to me <laughs> to, to hear her do the thing with Putin and the thing with like, you know, with like Rusev being a hero of the Russian Federation. I don't know. I really enjoyed no, it. No, I, I enjoyed it too. I had weirdly, weirdly appreciative feelings of the strength of her delivery. It's strong, it's confident, it's doing something. She's amazing. Yes, she's very good at the, like, acting and emoting part of wrestling. Yes. The wrestling part, not so much. No. Megan Bob, what did your human heart feel? The defeat of the vaudevillains. I know it's important for the feud to continue, but I really want them to win everything all the time. But I very much do not want them ever to be faces. Never. They have to be villains forever. Okay, interesting. Miles, what did your human heart feel? I just felt really bad for Summer Rae in this match. I didn't feel a ton about this episode, but I really felt for her. Like, it's her last NXT match. The only time she's ever been able to challenge for the championship, for any championship that I know of. God. She might have gotten, like, a title match or two during her main roster run, but, like, she's never been a serious contender to anything. And... For her to go out like that in a match that doesn't feel like her in a match that doesn't feel like the NXT women's division and that doesn't even get like the storytelling attention that other parts of the show get, uh, it's just really disappointing. And I feel bad for her and I feel bad that her experiences in WWE apparently drove her toward cryptocurrency because that's that's just a whole path. So yeah, it is. Yeah, that's that's what my human heart felt. Sorry, sorry to be a downer. <laughs> no, it's I. I almost had my thing is like what I felt was just bad for Charlotte and Summer. Like, yeah. fucking sucks. Yeah, those were the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It is now time to unveil our awards: the Bolrance Olivier Award for outstanding commitment to the bit. Bob. Who you got this week? I am giving my Lawrence Bolivier Award to Summer Rae. Okay. I don't think Summer Rae is always the best wrestler. I would not say that that is like her thing. Sure. But she wrestles in character for the most part. And she is one of the few wrestlers who screams at people Mm -hmm. and screams specific things at them. Like insults and complaints and things like that. And I appreciate that she does it because why do more people not do it? It makes sense. You should do it. If you hate this person, you should be yelling things at them. And I get that it'd be weird if everybody did it all the time. But Summer Rae takes advantage of this aspect of the medium that not everybody does. And I really value that about her. And I think she also did some really great work, you know, in her previous appearances with the backstage, like the summer of summer. Yeah. Like she's a good actor and I like her. Yeah. So summer and miles, who are you handing yours out to? My Lawrence Bolivier award in this episode goes to Connor (gasps) because you can't do that peck and shoulder shimmy unless you've committed to the bit. 
he did Fuck a thing. Yeah. He did a thing in a video package that was weird and didn't make any sense. He could just have easily never done it again and let us all forget that it happened. But my man Connor is braver than that. He has more Fuck guts yeah. than that. He went Amen. out and he did it in the ring in front of people. Reblog. Like, I'm sorry. You want to talk about commitment to the bit. That man did an incredibly stupid shoulder and peck shimmy. <laughs> and for that, he earns this award and my affection forever. All right. I am retweeting. I am unliking so I can like this tweet again. <laughs> this is very important. Oh, you're so right. Thank you. Well, those were the Borens Olivier Awards for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit. And we are never going to commit to one way of saying no, it. Not ever. Not ever. That's the nature of this award. You have to commit so that we don't. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob. Two episodes ago, we got another installment in Women's Wrestling History of the Week. In Women's Wrestling History of the Week. The final installment. final installment, absolutely. That means that it's now time to hear your fanfic explaining it. So we talked about sort of the diva era and how we got to where we are here in 2014. Bob, I can't wait to hear your fanfic explaining this episode of Wrestling History. The note sat pristine white against mahogany on the desk of Pete Campbell. His hands shook as he opened it. The notes were never a good thing. Not one ever thanked him for a job well done or congratulated him for one of his brilliant marketing ploys, like the Miss Wrestling competition or that match with the bed and the pillows. <laughs> Didn't people want the cool down match to at least have a little tits and ass in it? The note read, Mr. Campbell, it has come to my attention that you have booked Miss Christine Dye in a mixed tag match with Raoul de Chagny. <laughs> How charming that you would push the two young lovers together as a blatant attempt to invest the crowd in your cheap theatrics. Callous disregard for artistry and craft is very much your calling card, isn't it? It did not escape my notice that you placed this match between the tag team title match and the heavyweight championship match. Tisk tisk, Mr. Campbell. I thought we had an understanding. You book things as I instruct you to, and I don't garrot you. <laughs> you will remake the card and put Ms. Daae into a title match against Carlotta, and if I find that you have booked it in a cool-down slot, you will answer for it. I have trained Miss Daae for in-ring excellence that your paltry mind cannot begin to appreciate, <laughs> but you can at least have the sense to obey my very simple commands. In fact, if you use any of the women in the division as part of your cooldown at all, we will have a problem. And I think by now you understand my approach to solving problems is a very permanent solution indeed. I shall watch the performance from my normal seat in box five, which will be kept empty for me. Should these commands be ignored, a disaster beyond your imagination will occur. I remain your obedient servant, W.G. <laughs> Campbell set the note down and shakily poured himself a scotch. This had to stop. The ghost requests were only increasing. Next, he'd want money or, or a chance at the title himself. Someone had to stand up to his ridiculous demands. From somewhere behind him, a swish of fabric could be heard. He spun around to see nothing, not even the flicker of a shadow, but a length of rope lying on his desk. He swallowed hard before announcing to the room, I, uh, I'll do it. Dai will be in the title match. No cooldowns, I swear. The room was silent. Stupid ghost, he muttered. One of the overhead lights crashed to the ground. <laughs> Pete Campbell was dimly aware of his own scream of terror, and somewhere above that scream, the echo of laughter. Da-da-da-da-da! <laughs> Eric uh, says women's wrestling. It's giving me so many fucking ideas for the Eric LaRue character that we have running around our next wrestling fan federation here, Bob. Oh, I, I, lo I fucking love, love the Phantom of the Opera. I am a diehard mark for it. I think he's great. I don't fucking care what anyone else Look, thinks. 
wrestling and wrestling Twitter both could desperately use an infusion of the Phantom. <laughs> like, I would just love oh, to have God. some guy in the rafters being like, no, Vince, you're not going to Saudi Arabia again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for that fanfic, Bob. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> it is now time for a new edition of Wrestling Term of the Week. And the wrestling term of the week this week is Ring General. So this is a term that Bob has specifically asked me about. I have questions. And I think it's a good one to know, particularly in the context of NXT as a developmental territory. The term Ring General tends to be used in two ways, a broad one and a specific one. The broad definition is just an experienced wrestler, someone who's been doing this for a long time and knows how it's done. But the reason people use it that way is because of the specific definition, which speaks to how wrestling is performed. So in general, if two people are wrestling each other, one of them has been assigned to call the match. Most wrestling matches are at least partially improvised, so it has to be somebody's job to keep things going and keep things organized and make sure the match is flowing smoothly from one spot to the next spot. So you don't have anybody standing around not knowing what to do. One wrestler calls the match usually finding a way to prevent anyone in the crowd from seeing them talking, although not always. (laughs) Yeah, not always. And the other wrestler follows their lead. Stone Cold Steve Austin gave a really good example of calling the match on his podcast uh, many years ago. Uh, This is the quote from Austin. Lock up, grab a headlock, one tackle, drop down, duck the clothesline, reverse, hip toss, and watch out for the iron claw. So it's kind of like, it's kind of wrestling patter that they use to keep things going and, like, change the match and direct the match while the match is being performed and while still making it look like a a fight, right? Very hard to do. Whoa. There's a wrestling tradition that some people still follow that says the heel should always call the match. But for the most part, the wrestler that calls the match is the one with more experience. And wrestlers who are extremely good at calling matches are known as ring generals. Ric Flair, Randy Savage, and Chris Jericho are all famous examples of ring generals, and it's no coincidence that they all spent a lot of time as heels. We've talked about the definition of being a good or a great wrestler, how people define that, and we've talked about how that often gets tied into how well a person can make professional wrestling look like amateur wrestling. But a big part of that, and For many people, what it means to be a great wrestler is to be a great ring general. You'll often hear someone say about a wrestler, they can have a great match with anyone. And what that means, practically, is that they can call a match and make it great in the process, no matter the experience level of the other person in the ring. And in doing so, they elevate their opponent in the eyes of the fans. So from an insider perspective, it's hard to think of a higher compliment you could give to a wrestler than to call them a ring general. I don't know how often it's a term we're going to use, especially not in like the early days of NXT, because a a lot of these people are new. A lot of people haven't been wrestling very long and you're going to see two very inexperienced people in the ring at the same time a lot. And also it's developmental, like they're kind of here to learn that, right? So unless we actually see somebody talking, we won't know which one has been assigned to call the match and which one hasn't. But a lot of the times in wrestling matches, you can watch and you can kind of figure it out. (laughs) But yeah, that's what a ring general is. A ring general is just someone who's really good at directing the flow of a match while it's happening, which is arguably the most important part of wrestling. Yeah. So... That's so important to know. Thank you. All right. Well, that was the wrestling term of the week. And Bob will be back on our next episode with a fanfic explaining the ring general. You bet I will. I believe in you. That's about it for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. But we cannot leave before we complete the cheap pop quiz. You might notice a theme running through uh, this edition of the cheap pop quiz. Okay. Question number one, which of the following things does not occur in the men's division on the next episode? Is it A, somebody finally calls Adrian Neville a hobbit, which about time, really. (laughs) B, Adrian Neville makes a your mom joke and it is treated (gasps) like the sickest bird in the world. (laughs) 
C. Ty Dillinger tells Jason Jordan, quote, Boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say no to drugs. Oh my god. D. Connor says the word annihilation, but with a yaw in it, so it's annihilation. Oh god. Or E. All of these things, in fact, occur. If you put E here and all of these things didn't occur, uh-huh. I am going to drive to Tucson <laughs> and put a bag of dog poop on your front door. I will be so mad. Okay, noted. Because I want all of these. These are the best. <laughs> okay, your answer is E, all these things occur. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I have been threatened with dog poop. <laughs> You can just fucking throw it away. This is a very low-level threat. (laughs) Question number two. Which of the following things does not occur in the women's division on the next episode? Is it A, Becky Lynch gets a new entrance with new music and none of it has anything to do with the fact that she's Irish? Hmm. B, the feud between Bailey and Charlotte is reignited, this time with the title involved. C, Alexa Bliss throws a mildly heelish temper tantrum after losing another match to Sasha Banks. D. Natalia puts a lollipop that had just been in Adam Rose's mouth into her <gasps> mouth. Oh, fuck. Or E. All of these things, in fact, occur. Okay, here's my theory. Because I haven't heard your final question yet. Okay. If there is an E in every one of these, maybe one of them is definitely all of the above. This is my theory. But also, I've been in theater. I've worked with performers. Mm -hmm. Y'all, we put stuff in one another's mouths all the goddamn time. It's gross. (laughs) We cannot be stopped, and it's disgusting. So (laughs) I feel like even though that's unlikely, it definitely happened, and I'm going to be upset about it because now I'm an adult, and I'm like, God, don't do that. Okay. I'm going to say E, because also I know that Alexa Bliss can't keep this up. This thing's not going to... We can't stay in Pixieland forever. Okay, your answer is E for that one as well. And question number three. On this episode of NXT, we saw Kalisto get a new tag team partner. On the next episode, which of the following wrestlers does not get a new tag team partner? Oh, no. Is it A, Mojo Rawley? B, Bull Dempsey? C, Adam Rose, D, a returning Scott Dawson, or E, all of these wrestlers, in fact, get a new tag team partner. Okay, I was going to say E for this one, too, but I I feel like it'd be so fucking weird if they put Dempsey in a tag team after they're trying to fucking push him. Okay. Okay, I feel like he doesn't get one because, I mean, I know they're just trying shit, but come on, you're trying to push him. You're giving him time on the mic. What the fuck are you doing if you're putting him in a tag team? All right, your answer is B, Bull Dempsey. And come back on the next episode of The Next Wrestling Fan to see how Megan Bob did on this edition of The Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Miles. And I'm so excited to be here that I am doing a peck and shoulder shimmy right now. Oh, Such a great peck and shoulder shimmy. Thank you. I've been practicing. I've been working out on my shimmying muscles at the gym. (laughs) Hey, Bob. Yeah? Do you know who I suspect has like a really great peck and shoulder shimmying game? Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Well, I mean, yeah, but but besides him. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, No, tell me. I was talking about our patrons. (gasps) Of course. I have seen their shimmy game and it's it's very good. They engage in metaphorical peck and shoulder shimmying every month when they give a little bit of their precious, precious money to us in appreciation for our show. And we in turn appreciate them. We sure do. So much so that... As previously mentioned in this space, I have put together the first ever Next Wrestling Fan Federation Trios Tournament. I believe I have already revealed the teams. Yes. And uh, we've been kind of letting everybody uh, think about stuff and and marinate in it and uh, and just letting the anticipation build. I uh, am as... so fucking excited because finally, finally, Miles, you are writing fanfic for me. Yes, that is what I am doing. And... Um, what we're going to do with this, Bob, is, you know, we can't blow our wad no. right away. So we got to do this one match at a time. 
it might take us a little while to get through the whole thing, but I think it's going to be worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. And the match that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, the very first match in the trios tournament, very much a tone setter. Ooh. And we're doing a, uh, a face versus face contest. <gasps> oh no. The audience is going to have so many divided loyalties, unless it's one of those cases where everybody in the audience is chanting for both teams. That is, is exactly what occurs, in <gasps> fact. That is the kind of match we're doing. We're doing that kind of, like, opening match on the card, double baby face, massive spot fest, lots of moments for the crowd to go off, like, dueling chance, <sighs> fight forever chance, both these teams chance, Aww. all that kind of shit is what's happening in this one. The first team that's competing in this match is the team of Courtney Barrister, <gasps> Carol Staples, and Mildred Burns, which oh, is a team shit, yeah. that I just... Love the idea of existing. So much power. Yeah, so much power and like so much knowledge is the other thing. Like that team just knows their way around the ring backwards and forwards. Unfortunately, a pretty big hurdle in the very first round of the tournament because they are up against Changeling (gasps) and Changeling's partners, the most exalted company, Oliver (laughs) Silvers and our next wrestling fan federation champion, Harry Bumblespike of oh, Bumblespike Hall. Oh, crap. That's a tough match. It is a very tough draw. And uh, like I said, the match, fast, furious, hard-hitting, lots of chance for lots of people. Just like, you know how like sometimes when you get this shit, it's like everybody hits their finisher in succession. Yes. Or like does like synchronized dives to the outside of Fuck the ring yeah. in succession. You get all this shit. It's just a gigantic orgasm of wrestling. Yeah. But in the end... One team has to emerge victorious. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it is the team of Harry Bumblespike, Oliver Silvers, and Changeling. Gets the win, moves oh. on to round two, <gasps> and there is the most satisfying handshake and hug spot at the end of that match. Oh, uh, my God. Just mutual respect for days from these two teams. And despite the fact that they didn't win... The unit of Courtney Barrister, Carol Staples, and Mildred Burns has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they can be a force to be reckoned with in the next Wrestling Fan Federation. And they are going to be here to stay. They are going to be wrecking people moving forward. As it happens, they just, you know, they went up against the champ. And sometimes the champ is the champ for a reason. It's true. It's true. I'm curious, though, who did Mildred Burns give a noogie to at the end of the match? Oh, I think uh, Oliver Silvers is the clear answer to that. (laughs) And then a a bunch of of silverware fell out. (laughs) He's he's a man of some consequence these days. I don't know if you've heard, but that doesn't mean he's still not the one who gets the noogie. (laughs) Oh, that's fucking adorable. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you so much to all of our patrons who made this tournament possible and who indulge us in these antics and indeed encourage them in some cases, your Mm. encouragement of these shenanigans and carry on is deeply appreciated as it is every single day. Y'all are great. Y'all are great. Hope you enjoyed that first match in the trios tournament. More will be coming. And uh, thank you just so much for all your support and for being with us on this ride. And uh, I think that's, I don't think we have much else to say on this one. Not this time. But who knows? Come back in two weeks and find out. Come back in two weeks for a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Hiya! What? What is that? Oh, well. (laughs) Temporarily possessed by Miss Piggy. You know how it goes. It's an occupational hazard. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. 
You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Please keep in mind that I was 16 years old in 2001. Don't judge me. Look, I wasn't even cool enough in 2001 to know who the fuck Puddle of Mud were. So, you know, which I mean... I think mean, you're probably better off that way. Well, in 2001, I, I felt bad about it. I don't feel bad about it now, but, you know, look, <laughs> I had an Incubus CD. It is what it is. <laughs> Right now, I think Tony Khan is planning for him to fight God at full gear. It's uh, certainly where it seems to be going. Okay. Well, look, it's not the first time that God has competed in a wrestling rig. So... (laughs) 